Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Josh. And welcome to 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch one movie a week for every week in the year, and we do an episode about it. So today we're coming back to you with Room. Uh, Josh and I just saw that with our co-host and producer, Rachel. She's going to be joining us on the podcast today. Um, so we didn't have an episode last week because Josh and I were pretty busy with finals and no good movies came out, so it seemed like a pretty good recipe to uh, take a break for a week. So I think we're just going to go ahead and get started, and Josh is going to give us a synopsis, and uh, we're going to start from there. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, so Room is a movie from director Lenny Abramson, adapted from a book by Emma Donahue that Rachel has read, so she can give us a little bit of a unique perspective on it. But the movie is essentially about a woman, played by Brie Larson, who is trapped in a room with her five-year-old son, and the son has never lived outside the room, and it's about how they kind of live their life in there, but then have to adjust on the outside eventually. And that's pretty much the synopsis and the, the the quick one, but there's obviously, it seems very simple, but it's a really emotionally complex, rich movie, and I think there's a lot to dissect. So, um, Rachel, as someone who has read the book and had a certain expectation coming in, uh, how, just how do you, what, what were your thoughts on the film and just how it kind of put everything out there on the screen? Um, I actually really liked it, I, which isn't normally my stance towards book adaptations. Um, my mom always talks about how she had to tell me during the Harry Potter movie, the first one, like, if you say one more thing, like, we're leaving. Because <laughs> You're like, picking out everything? Every little thing, yeah. So I've gotten better with that as I've gotten older. Um, and I did read Room a couple years ago. So honestly, I thought it was a re- I, thought I enjoyed it a lot. I don't know if I enjoyed it more because I read the book. Um, I was I was wondering about you guys like as I was getting towards the end because it's not super fast paced. Um, it's pretty emotional, like you said. So I was wondering if you guys might be getting bored or kind of antsy. But I I really liked it the whole time because I I mean I knew it was going to happen, but seeing it on screen was I thought they did a great job. Yeah, I, I wasn't bored at all. I actually, so I didn't watch the trailer because Josh and Rachel basically said, don't watch the trailer because it gives everything away. Um, so I didn't really know the plot very, I mean, I, I, I knew the what Josh said, you know, it's a, a woman trapped in a room with her kid and I didn't really know much else. So I really didn't have, I didn't really know what my expectations were. I guess I thought they might have been trapped in the room the whole time rather and like, um, and then that would be like the two hour movie and, and that. So I, I also, I guess we can't really talk about this movie without just talking about everything. So if you don't really want to know everything that happens, I would suggest not listening forward until you've seen the movie. And I think Josh actually has a couple comments on the trailer that he wants to share. Yeah. Well, uh, go see it, uh, cause it's really good. But I, I would say just that I was really worried about it. I'm, it's good for you if you went in blind and that's maybe a slightly different experience, but I was really worried because the trailer shows them outside of the room and I'm like, why would you tell us this? The movie's called room. Is it going to be like, is it, shouldn't it be like panic room and that movie with uh, Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart and shouldn't that be a little bit more, um, just, you don't really know what's going to happen and aren't you giving something away? But, uh, I really don't think the trailer actually did by doing that because just that's only the first half of the movie essentially. And, at a certain point, you actually really want them to, like, because I knew they were going to get out, I was actually looking forward to it. I wasn't really, wow, this has been spoiled, because they depict just how of a, much of a unique and weird experience this is for them to be, have been in there, especially Jack, the five-year-old boy, to have been in there that whole time, that, like, I was actually looking forward to seeing what happened when they got out. So it wasn't really ruined at all for me by knowing, unlike Anthony, that they did get out, because... 
they did a lot of different things that we'll get into that really did a great job of showing us just how weird this boy's perspective was that I was just really looking forward to seeing how he's going to react to the outside world. That actually reminded me, I read a brief interview with Emma Donahue, who wrote the book about the trailer. I don't really remember anything besides that she said, you know, she didn't mind that it was cut that way because she didn't want people, she didn't think it spoiled anything because otherwise it looks like a horror movie, which, I mean, it kind of would have felt like that. So people going in might not have expected what they got and people who would have ended up really enjoying the movie might not have gone to see it, which made sense. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a horror movie in its own way, unfortunately, but so the movie's essentially an exploration of this five-year-old kid who's never seen the outside world like josh said and him learning about everything from his mom who was 19 when 17 when she got adopted yeah 19 when he was born right and and just her learning or teaching herself basically how she needs to explain the world to this kid and they have a tv in there and uh, having to explain to him what's real and what isn't real and what acting is and what cartoons are and, and everything. And then flipping that from the juxtaposition from her experience once living in the world and then being trapped and then living in the new world again versus his never it, having experienced that I thought was pretty interesting. Well, what was interesting was that they had that TV and eventually she does really go through painstaking effort to try and do this real versus not real thing with him. But... There's a few points before she has a big sit-down conversation with him where she tries to get a little more real with him, if you will, where it's subtle, but you know just how warped this kid's viewpoint is because at one point she mentions a mouse that they had found in the room, and he said, she, he said where'd the mouse go? And she said, went, to, went into the yard where he lives. And he said, he lives in a yard in the TV? And that's that, that, just that right there, and they didn't really dwell on that, but just told you, in his mind, everything that's not in, my, in that room in the whole entire world comes from the TV. And without having to get too showy about and flashy about making that point that this is how he lives, they were able to subtly do it with that one line, which really said a lot to me. It's like going in, I thought maybe this kid would have some awareness. I didn't expect it to be like that. So going in, I thought I knew what it was about, but I didn't exactly know the mindset in which Jack was going to be in for that whole part of the movie, which made it a different experience than what I had expected. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Um, I guess it was so the second part of the movie was definitely what I enjoyed more. The difference between his adjusting and her adjusting was not really what I expected. And so I was really uh interested in in how her life would go living with her parents. Well, I guess her so her parents got divorced while she was abducted, which is I guess I just don't really know how I'd react to that as as someone and 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 it was really something that I didn't really expect and I think had an impact on her as she came out of the, or back into the real world. Yeah, it was just kind of, it was really interesting. Um, it's Brie Larson. She did, she did an amazing job um, just portraying this woman who was basically kidnapped. Like we said, at 17, she was kept in this literal room. It was like a garden shed, like 11 by 11 in her only company. She didn't have anyone for two years. It was this, her little boy. And I thought their relationship to each other was really interesting because you could tell she did so much with her face like she was a great mom to him she would try to you know make him exercise and have him you know show him interest in the world try to teach him things but at the same time you'd also see her exhaustion um just like flicker over her face or she'd just like look up like not roll her eyes but you can't imagine like the mental strain that would have taken to keep up this like happy face for 
almost all of the time. Not not to we're not going to talk go too out of order here, but just at the end they end up going back. He really wants to go back, and you see that it's not something that's a scary experience for him. He wants to go back and see Room. It's his home. Yeah, and but the fact that he has he's ex- actually excited to go back and just see it to visit, and he says that in a way that's not like dreading it. That just shows you how much she had to internalize to make that a positive experience and not scarring experience for him. You're seeing how excited he is, and he doesn't have that emotion towards it. She doesn't make it a totally um, non-disturbing experience for him living there, but to do that and to not let it come through her when she's interact, not let it come through herself when she's acting with him, that's what it takes, but considering everything she goes through during the time that they're living there— it just, it just shows you she put herself through the ringer to protect him. And that's just him being excited to even go back and see it after they've gotten out is a really interesting way of showing that. I agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't, I actually didn't really like that they went back. Uh, honestly, I don't really know. I mean, I understand I, I understand that it's his home and everything, but I, I guess like she, I don't understand why she would really allow that personally. Closure. For, I mean, it's it seemed too full, come circley. I don't know. I, I after I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but for instance, after my house got destroyed by Hurricane Ivan, I was fourteen years old and I was kind of wrecked. My my room was the only one of the families on the first floor, so I like I knew I had lost all my stuff, and I was kind of a wreck for that after two weeks. But my parents still thought it was important that I go back and see it, just to kind of. I mean, I think for yeah, kids, but that's like, the opposite of this. He wanted to go back. She didn't want to go back because she was... It wasn't like... Well, yeah, I guess... You, see, you you don't like that the movie made it so he wanted to go back? I just... I don't... I don't know. I just didn't think that she would really allow that because she's, like, fucking broken because of that place. Well, I mean, it was to give him some finality after he's been out in the world and he... You know, that entire tiny shed was his entire world. Because he comes he's... back and he says did it shrink so it's kind of a way of showing him this isn't like some nice place we were at he's kind of getting it he sees it stripped down a little bit and then he's already been living in a regular sized house and now he's it's a way to kind of maybe he's only five and a half years old at that point so maybe he doesn't totally grasp what he's been through but it's kind of showing him look you have there are much better things out there than this i agree i mean i know what you're saying anthony i i would not go back but um, I also think that their relationship was interesting because, you know, she's his mom, but she's also his only friend, and he's the only person that she can really talk to besides their, her, like, abductor who comes in periodically horrible. Um, so they had an interesting relationship. I noticed it was, you know, mother-son, but also almost kind of, like, peer-to-peer at some points. Like, you know how little kids will yell? Yeah. She'll yell back. Not all the time, but sometimes. And she wouldn't say, like, or she wouldn't say, like, you know, I'm your mom. You got to do this because he would yell and she would just be like, I'm sorry, like, and try to explain it to him. And it was just interesting to me. He would, she would ask, like, like when they're in the room for the last time, they're all looking back and she says, can we go now? I thought she about a, him. I thought about a few different shows slash movies watching this. And for a lot of that first half when they were there together, I, I thought I thought about Life is Beautiful. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. It's the 1999 film. Roberto Benigni won Best Actor for it about the guy who ends up in a – Italian guy, I think, ends up in a concentration camp with his f- five-year-old son and has to – he convinces him the whole entire experience is a game. 
I mean, it was a really good movie, and I kind of thought about that because in, in that experience, you're not totally sheltered off, so the kid could have put the pieces together, but it just kind of, it, it was interesting because they had that relationship where he's just kind of playing a game with him at times and just trying to get, get on his level a little more, kind of like she is, and just she's not always kind of being the bossy mom. It, it kind of vacillates between the two a little bit, and I thought that was interesting how they're relationship kind of has those different ebbs and flows at times she does have to get stern with him but at other times they're just they're playing essentially yeah yeah i, I mean she so she because she, she's learning how to be a mom mm-hmm. and she's learning how to be an adult and she's learning how to be trapped and then she has to learn how to like take care of this kid and it's crazy for her because she's she was i, I assume at 17 you're just not ready for any of that and then it's just stacking on and stacking on and stacking on and stacking on and you just really don't know what's going to happen and and so Rachel was saying like she was treating him like a peer almost but it's also interesting because he can't really even be a peer sometimes because he just doesn't have the comprehension of what's going on and I just can't imagine the frustration of like someone not understanding this the circumstance and like the depth of of what's going on and you just you literally can't explain it to them and you have to deal with that for five years it's crazy yeah like at one point as she's finally explaining to him while they're still in the room she's explaining to him what the difference between tv and outside and you know what's real what's not and he just she starts to tell him you know in five-year-old terms how she got to be there um and he just you know yells like i want a different story and she said this is the story you get and you know he just doesn't want to hear it and i yeah i can't imagine having to do that is there anything else you guys thought about that portion of the film and anything that really stuck out to you that you really liked or thought they could have done better or just any thoughts on stuff that really stuck with you? Um, I would say the one thing that I really did not like about the movie was the narration stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, I can say this about the book at least. Um, the entire book is in his voice Okay. and it's like narrated by a five-year-old, which sounds like it would be very annoying, but it's, you get used to it quickly. It's, it's interesting. Would you describe it as annoying or unnecessary and what bothered you about it? Well, I just, so it's, so it's not the book, right? So while a lot of the experiences are from his viewpoint, the movie is not literally from his viewpoint because it's from hers and her parents and i think a lot of it's from his it's it's with his when we when we never uh really see a scene without him in it if he's not there sometimes you know you see a camera angle that's not his it's not filmed through his eyes but if he's not there you don't see what's happening yeah i just i don't know i just didn't really seem necessary to me to get the messages they wanted. It's funny because I actually wrote the exact opposite thing. A, a thing that's bothered me a lot with movies we've seen over the last couple of years is you're dealing with people and stories that don't need a narration because they are, have it plenty right there to show you. But here I thought it was actually made sense within the context of the film because you're hearing a lot of what this kid's thinking. And in a situation like that where a five-year-old is so isolated and only has one person you can talk to, I think he is going to internalize a lot more of that and he is going to think these thoughts and he has so many things going through his head because there's so much that he doesn't know and he's just gonna it's interesting to see what his perspective is on that and i think in some movies where like something like a movie i like this year the like me and earl and the dying girl it was totally that was one of my things i didn't like about it was that you're dealing with these 18 17 year old kids and some adults and you have plenty of plenty of story right there just to be able to show everything that this guy is explaining to you as it's happening. And here he's not explaining what's happening as it's happening. He's explaining what he's thinking about it. And the kids, Jacob Tremblay's the actor's name, we haven't said it yet, 
he's a very good actor, and I think he's deserved a lot of the acclaim that he's gotten, but you, you can only act out so much of what he's thinking at the same time. So at least it made sense in the context of the story to me that you're not just telling us what we're already seeing to begin with. It was something that was being added to it, and in that situation, I thought the kid would actually be thinking these things. So it really didn't bother me as much as a lot of narration has in movies last year. I, I understand that, I guess. I just... I, for me, it wasn't necessary to to get what they were what they were selling to me. Okay. It wasn't that it was you know his perspective is the actual voiceover itself. Yeah, no, I mean I understand, I understand, but okay, no, I was just asking because I I, I I think it was interesting to tell the story that way too because how fucking depressing if you had to hear it, you know, if you had to see that through her eyes and you know it's completely different cast as like being. A captive as she was as as compared to him who this is his world and this is his life and he has yeah. this, this, such a different outlook on it than any of like adult would this way we, we know what's going on in the whole thing but it, and so it's there and, and that that in and of itself is kind of depressing enough because you know what she's going through but it, it is a totally different movie i didn't think about that but if you're showing a lot more of what she's thinking and seeing and going through uh, it is a totally different movie that's the horror movie they did yeah. in the trailer. Yeah, I mean, I think we could have. I think we could have. I mean, we saw a lot of what she was going through, but I think it would have been interesting to see a little bit more too. But maybe that's just me. No, like I, when she's away from him and when she's isolated, because that's. I agree. I, I, I would have liked to see more of her, but I, I liked the because she did such a good I, job. But I just think the yeah, um, yeah. device is interesting having him as the main perspective. Okay, so eventually they they do eventually come 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 get out of the room, and you said that's the part that that's the part of the movie that kind of did it more for you, Anthony. So what, what what's the first thing that kind of struck you? I, for me, it was the I don't know. I, I I just thought that whole sequence from the moment where he gets out to the moment where she first sees her dad. That I was just like holding my breath the whole time, and it's you kind of know what's going to happen from the moment that, from the moment that he gets out of the room. But I don't. They, they just did it very well, I thought, and I, I was still in suspense, even though I knew I didn't think that uh, the guy, the guy's name, their captor is their captor is Old Nick, and I I know he's not going to kill him, but. It just, I don't know, I, I, I was holding my breath, and I thought just the way they shot it, and I was afraid that he was going to see Jack as he was trying to escape, and I don't know. I was like, get down, get down. I, I was, I was like, what are you doing? He's going to see you, and it was just, it was, it was shot really impressively. The whole movie, like you said, to that point, you could have, you could almost say it was a little slow, even though I enjoyed watching them do their thing in the room, but that just, it did kind of take it to another level for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was necessary, especially the first half, but for me, it was just like, I enjoy the exploration of the – we don't know what it would be like to be in that situation uh, at 5 or at 17 and then 24 to be – because seven years, like think about how things were different seven years ago, how they are now. And if you were just stuck there and then coming out to that, it's it's crazy. And we didn't get all too much of that with like technology and new cars and roads and buildings and stuff. But it was still interesting, especially – her stagnant development versus the development of her parents and their lives. I mean, obviously she changed a lot, but just the evolution of their lives without her and then the evolution of her life without them and everything. And that was that's just the more interesting stuff to me because obviously being in the room is t- is terrible, but they, they took it to another level, like you said. It's kind of like a 
that whole second act of the movie was almost like if you shrunk a season of Rectify into two episodes. And re- re- it's a little different because in, in, in that's, this wasn't like um, Rectify is not like someone just finding out that their kid's alive after thinking they've been dead. But it's still similar to someone kind of coming back to a totally different world and having to see them, having to see them adjust. And for for Jack, it's obvious he's never had to interact. He's never interacted with any other person, and they show him going through that. But for her, it's difficult because she she thought she'd be really happy when she got out. Uh, under, understandably, that, that would be the expectation. But then she starts thinking about just what's been taken from her and what she's missed out on. And it seems like she, she starts going down a little bit darker path that she starts looking at her yearbook and sees her old friends. And I thought, are we going to see like a scene where she reunites with their friends? And it's quite the opposite. She just is, she sees, wow, I can't believe these people have actually gotten to live their lives. And it, and it seems like dwelling on that might've caused some darker thoughts in, within her. Yeah. I thought that part was interesting where she's sitting with Jack and she's going through your book and she's like, Oh look, this is, you know, you know who that is. That's me. And she names her friends. No, we were on a track team. You know what happened to them? And he's like, what? Said, Nothing. They just got to live their lives. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of why I said I would have enjoyed a little bit more of her because just like the doctor in the movie said, he's more plastic and he has an easier time adjusting adjusting to the real world. And I think that makes sense because it's new to him. How much do you remember from before you were five years old? Exactly. And I think that it, it helps because he's just getting these new people in his life. And, and whereas she doesn't get that, she already has her connotations and her previous thoughts and everything. And that's all been like broken and stripped from her. And it's not even that she's learning something new. She has to learn it again. And I would just kind of, you would have wanted to see more of what she was going through yeah yeah i think so because she has to come up in order to be with her kid and i assume the doctors have to make sure she's well enough to be able to be around her kid again and so she was at rock bottom and i don't know the ascension would be interesting i agree like they're together for most of the movie and then the parts that I really did want to see her, I mean, I always want to see more women in the movies, you know, but um, the parts that I most wanted to see her was when Jack was doing his escape and she's back in the room. Like she doesn't know what happened. She had to, you know, fake his death and she doesn't know he's never been out in the world. Like what's going on? Is he going to get found out? So I just would want to see kind of like how, what her experience it, was like. And then that could have been a flashback or something. I, I, I actually appreciated not seeing that in the moment because I had voided all trailers after I saw the trailer for the first time, so I didn't know for a fact if she survived because I had heard. Yeah, that's I, what I, I had heard from some people that because um, there's been a lot of talk about awards with this movie and how first they think it's ridiculous Jacob Tremblay is being submitted as a best supporting actor, but second they were saying even you could make it more of an argument she's a supporting actor, and I thought I thought well does that mean it's because she's not going to be there the second half of the movie? It's it's more because she disappears for a chunk of the second half of the movie. But I so I I did not know from any of the trailers if she was there and the parts where he's out of the room. So I'm thinking that's part that's part of I didn't really articulate it earlier, but that's part of why I'm just like so I was so tensed up during the escape scene because I thought well is this the end for her? He he's going to go back and just kill her for that. I I didn't know so. But that would have been a scene. It would have been interesting just to, because I'm sure that would have been a, that was a very harrowing hour for her, if you will. And it would have been interesting to go back and see what that was like for her, because I'm sure she's obviously having to work through these emotions on a different level from what Jack is later on. And that's what leads to a lot of her struggles. Whereas, like Anthony said, he's a little more malleable and able to forget things. 
Yeah, I mean, I knew she, well, I think yeah, in knew. the book she lives, but I didn't know. Maybe that's a big change they made. <laughs> but that entire scene, like you said, just going back to that, was so well done, his escape. I was nervous, too, even yeah. though I knew it was supposed to happen. Yeah, I totally thought he was going to go back and kill her. And I was, I didn't know what was going to happen, even in the moment when he was taking the kid, when he was trying to get the kid away from the public, from the, the, the stranger on the street. I didn't know if he was just going to take him anyway and, and get away and go back to the room because I, I had no idea. Well, yeah, so he, he just kind of drops him. And well, I, yeah, at yeah. that point, I mean, is he worried that if he it'll take too long to get the kid in the car and someone will be able to get his license plate if he does that? So he may as well get away, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he's panicking in the moment, yeah. too. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But uh, so speaking of women, I thought Joan Allen was fantastic in yeah. the movie. She plays Brie Larson's mom and Jake, J- Jack's grandma. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, I thought she was good. I mean, she didn't have a, a super lot to do necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I don't agree. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm trying to think. I mean, she had. You're right. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just like a grandma role, but it was a grandma who's seeing her daughter for the first time in seven years and like meeting her grandson. You're right. Yeah, she was she was really good and she got some good scenes with with um jack and uh the scenes with jack are really good because when he starts when they're cooking and he starts nonchalantly talking about room and he he still doesn't understand the gravity of what happened and he's explaining how oh yeah then we would cook and then we would do this and we would do that and then old nick would come in and that's just what happened and then she knows what that means and he doesn't know what that means and she's having to react in a way where She's taking that in, and you can see that that doesn't clearly make her feel good to hear that, but she can't show that at the same time. And I thought having to play that complicated uh, emotions, that complicating scene of a complicated set of emotions that must have been running through her, because on one hand, she's probably happy that he's her grandson's finally opening up to her in a way, because at that point, he was still getting used to talking to adults a lot. But, and she also wants to continue having a fun time and make it seem like she's not really disturbed at all and keep making cupcakes with them. But then she's going to be thinking about what happened to her daughter. And that's a very – that's a three different things going on in that one quick moment, and I thought she did that very well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think the only time in the movie that he says, I love you, is to his grandma. And I, you know that he loves his mom and everything, but I thought that was a really telling mm-hmm. moment in the bathroom when she's cutting his hair – and I was like, ugh, heartstrings. <laughs> yeah. Is that but, the closest you came to crying? Oh, no. I, I almost cried like six different times. For me, it was when he, when he got to pet the dog. I, I almost started crying. But, um, but yeah, so that, that we can talk about a couple of the other characters in it, too, because we mentioned how um, while she, during the time that they were kidnapped, during the time they were in captivity, her parents got divorced, and... I think we see them come to the hospital, and I actually almost cried when she hugged her dad because we didn't get to see her reunite with her mom, and then she hugs her dad, played by William H. Macy, and we assume that he's going to be a rather big part of the movie going forward. And I thought, well, maybe this is going to be some awkward stuff where she still loves her dad. We see that, and then we find out that her mom is remarried to a guy that was a family friend for a long time before then. So I'm just assuming at that point, well, she's just going to be mad at this guy. She's going to assume that he took advantage of her mom at a a bad point and then got married to her, and it's just going to be some awkward moments with William H. Macy hanging around. And then William H. Macy leaves after the next scene when they're at the dinner table because he can't bear to look at his grandson because he knows that it's a product of his his daughter and her rapist, and he can't get over it because he's just really... Th- thick-headed i guess 
and obviously really disturbed. But I'm just surprised he didn't. Like, why do you get William H. Macy to play that part? It's kind of weird. Yeah, I thought they would actually. I, I thought, thought he was going to come back because it's I, William H. Macy. I thought it was an interesting, um, what do you call it? Just like plot point too and it wasn't did, predictable which i appreciate but i would have i would have enjoyed th- them having the conversation about it i mean it was obvious i understand subtly, why he wouldn't want to have that conversation but, but it would have been interesting to see it play out a little more in depth especially because she he's her dad and then he's just gone like you said i guess i just expected him to be a little bit around a little bit more but the guy leo uh, leo What's his name? The the guy that plays the, the yeah his name's Leo. His I, don't name is Leo could, in the movie. I don't know if oh, I don't know if he gets his last. Yeah, I don't know the actor's uh, name either. But he was good. he was really good, and I thought that uh, so you, I thought there was going to be a lot of negative feelings harbored toward him too. But he actually helped a lot, I think, around especially with Jacob and and with Bree. J- sorry, <laughs> Jack. Yeah, it was interesting because you see that Jack when he gets out of the room, he's terrified of men because like the only one he's ever seen is old Nick and. You know, he's scared of the doctor. He was he was scared of Leo, and then you kind of eventually see him start to warm up, and you know, it's clear that like Leo's very good with kids, and Jack starts to talk to, you know, he starts to speak to people besides his mom, who which, who is just like speaking through her until that point. Yeah, the guy that played Leo was really good, and it was a, it was a great scene, just kind of showing how even yeah, obviously he wouldn't be comfortable with men. But at that point, he wasn't comfortable with anyone else. I mean, he really hadn't even had a substantive scene with his grandma at that point. And Leo just comes, walks in the door when he, uh, when Jack's left his mom in the room and decides he's going to just see if he can get Jack to spend a little time with him. And he, in, in the room in, the, in their house, not like room. Oh, right, right. I, I, I got I to be careful about my terminology with that. But yeah, it was just a, a really nice scene where he coaxes him downstairs and eats breakfast with him. But and it's something that's really low key on the surface, but it means so much because we've already seen just how much trouble he's had interacting with adults. Yeah, yeah, it was just the evolution of the of the kid and him being able to to grow internally versus just not being able to be around other humans. And, that, and I guess that's really what's, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably what's really just impressed me most about the film is that for something about such heavy emotions, they, it was able to really uh, hammer home the significance of so much of it with lower key moments like that. Or like I said, you might not have liked at the end how they went back to the room, but I thought regardless of that, I think it did say a lot about what what they had been through earlier. So Yes, they had the narration, which explains some stuff, but a lot of movies would just flat out have a narrator say what a lot of this, these things meant, and they were able to convey them with simpler scenes that are informed by what happened, by what these characters were going through earlier in the movie. And lesser movies just ex- explain everything through a narrator a lot of the times these days. You see, especially some... I, I, I'm thinking about a lot of the young adult movies I've seen over the last couple of years from the, that have been adopted from books in those genre. But I guess that's really a temptation for just a lot of people that are adapting books because when you're reading a book, you're you are getting inside the heads of characters with things that they aren't saying out loud. And for people doing that in a movie, uh, you're worried that it's the book's not going to come through unless you do that. And here they found a way around that because. A lot of those emotions, yes, a lot of it is through Jack's narration, but a lot of it is things in a lesser movie that would have just been set over a narration that just would have made it not as not wouldn't it wouldn't have come through in the same powerful way. Yeah, I assume you're talking about John Green, but that's how those books are written. So, but it, this is much. I was much, thinking about a couple. I was even thinking about Gone Girl. I, I was thinking about Gone Girl too. I actually wanted to talk about the interview. Oh, okay, yeah, um, go ahead. Well, I so I thought the interview was really interesting. I'm not really sure. 
I don't. I, maybe I don't remember, but I'm not really sure her motivation for doing it. Really, she was upset. There was a brief for doing the inter- interview. Yeah, there was a brief scene, and I think it was just um, Jack playing when you can hear the adults talking, and a yeah. lawyer came by and he said, "There's going to be a lot of expenses." Well, I heard that. Like, I heard that. One time interview. Yeah, yeah. A lot of money I didn't know what he meant by that. What, what, what were their expenses going to be? Uh, uh, trial and, and the, I mean, the trial is going to be I mean, that, that expense is on the state. Maybe just yeah. I, don't I don't know, but. I mean, obviously, her motivation for eventually doing the interview is a fight with her mom, where she's like, yeah. "I need to get my own money to get out of here," because maybe they were going to incur some costs on their own by just needing to see psychiatrists and stuff like that. Maybe they're going to have to pay for. She doesn't have a job. She's not, yeah, you know, so she's maybe that's what he was referring to. And but yeah, they they, they for a while they kind of put that off, but then they end up doing a sit down interview, which um, it's not built up or um, dwelled on quite in the same way it is in Gone Girl, but I still think it's an interesting scene. Yeah. Well, so so I thought the. The interviewer lady, I'm not sure who played it. I don't think it was anyone it famous. It wasn't no famous actress, no. But I thought it was really interesting because she's asking Brie Larson about, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do more even? And that's essentially what she's asking. And Brie Larson is sitting there like, I can't believe someone is thinking that I didn't do my best and that I didn't take care of this child. And she's having this... I assume internal struggle of is this what people are going to think that I didn't yeah. look out for my kid when you don't nobody will know because only her only only she could know really because her child doesn't have the the depth to understand that yet and I thought that was really interesting wasn't exactly the most professional uh, approach I'd I, say I don't agree yeah well no she's because the the interviewer specifically asked like you know when he was born did you ever think of of asking you know, your captor to drop him off at a hospital. Why would I do that? And you could tell, like, I don't know that she'd ever even considered I, I, that. I hadn't even thought of that. I just thought, yeah, she's going to have the kid and she's going to have the kid and just try and protect him. And that it had that hadn't even occurred to me until the interviewer asked it. And I was like, well, well yeah, I, in theory, it would be better for him if she, he, she had, if he had just gotten to a hospital and gotten into a safe family. But at the same time, like, why would she have any faith that the, that the guy that abducted her and raped her and everything would just do what do what was best for the kid because she asked you know yeah that's easy for an you know tv interview who's very removed from the subject to say but yeah that was that was a lot no, I, I don't think it was unprofessional though i mean i think that's something that you would you would have to ask i mean we just saw truth right and not that that was that great of a movie or that telling but it's it's interesting because they made sure the producers or the people that were way ahead of Dan Rather made sure that he asked specific questions in a specific way. And I think that when you're doing that kind of interview, it's hard for the for the person doing it, which is why they told her that if it's uncomfortable, she can say it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think it's important to ask I take that back. That I just it, that just came out cuz I felt bad for her uh, I felt yeah. bad for for Joy when she was put in that situation and I guess what what she could have done more was just uh she could have moved on from that point, if, but she chose to think about it, and then I guess she just understandably got a little upset when she started thinking about it. So they, 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 they didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't like they showed her trying to get out of answering the question and then pushing her or anything like that. Yeah. See, I don't think the interview is malicious, but I thought yeah. it was subtle enough and direct enough to probably right. just for Brie, because right after that is when she ODs, right? Yeah, you can tell she's been struggling with depression. Like Even in room, like there's some days, I think uh, Jack even, I don't remember what he called it, but he had a term. On he's like on and off days or something, something like that. Something, something to that effect, where she just lays in bed like all day, yeah. and you know, you, obviously, like who wouldn't be depressed at some points? So he knows, you know, that's been established as a thing for her. But even after they get out of they get out of room, she still, understandably, again, has has that issue. And yeah, that 
clearly makes her spiral a little bit more after that interview. Yeah, but so just going back to Gone Girl was an interesting juxtaposition for for uh, Ben Affleck because he wanted to be in the spotlight and he wanted to do these interviews. And she really, it's hard because who wants to, you're not proclaiming your innocence, you're having to go out in front of the world and just, I don't even know what the right way to say it is, like accept what happened to you or talk about it, I don't really know, but it sucks. (laughs) That's why Josh said he felt bad because it's terrible. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, this is like a side comment, but I thought it was interesting because away from the acting and the directing, even like the... um, costume design like makeup work like Uh she's not wearing any makeup throughout the whole movie because she's in the room and then they put her in makeup for this interview and i don't know if you guys know what like good makeup looks like but it was bad it it wasn't like very well done it it wasn't it wasn't she didn't look you know garish or anything but compared to how we've seen her it wasn't very subtle and it was it just made like a very striking difference it kind of like she was wearing a mask Uh, so the only other time she wore makeup actually was when she came back from rehab or wherever she was and she was at the screen door. And I thought that was, I don't know if you noticed that, but that was the only other time she was wearing makeup, and I was, I didn't really know why, I guess. It, it was it was different. It was, like, more yeah. natural. She just yeah, looked, okay. it made her look more. Kind of goes with your, with your. Yeah. She, she was going outside and. Becoming herself that. more again and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What else, guys? Anything? Uh, well, I was going to say, um. I think I said there were two times that I would have liked to see her that we didn't get to see her. Yeah. It was also like during, so um, when Jack's, you know, escaping, I would have liked to see that. Mm-hmm. And then as well, when she's kind of spiraling into her depression, um, even before she has like a suicide attempt at some point, she just like stays in the room all day. And that's when Jack gets to build his relationship up with his grandma and with Leo. Um, so I see why that had to happen. He, he develops once he's away from his mom, not that they have an unhealthy relationship, but you know, they're very dependent on each other. But I would have liked to see more, like you said, Anthony, of her kind of coping and coming back and getting reacquainted with the world. I agreed with that because it, it made sense with given what we knew the character was going through that she would have uh, attempted to take her own life. But it seemed like it got, they got there pretty quick from her just uh, initially getting a little upset looking at those scrapbooks and then, having the one moment where she has a fight with her parents and then the interview, they could have just show, shown us the depression a little bit more as opposed to just, it seemed like a general struggle, maybe. Yeah, well, it's interesting because she's she's actually not really having trouble adjusting to the world at all. It's really just all this harbored anger that she had to just get rid of in order to take care of her kid and like grow up so fast is just rushing back to her and she lashes out at her mom and she lashes out at her kid and she lashes out at everybody because she just is, she's mad at them for not finding her she's mad at them for seemingly moving on with their lives she's just mad at, at her friends for not being abducted she's mad at her mom for telling her to be a good person and it's that's the stuff that she's that she's struggling with and that would have been I think there, there's a little more depth there that than we were showed. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's from keeping all that in for so long. Yeah. She Like, you know, we talked about she never, you know, occasionally would get a little mad at Jack, but, you know, nothing serious. She, she, you know, she never had any outbursts or, God, I can't imagine the patience that would have taken. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think any of us here have that. Patience, well, I can't so. hang out with a kid for, like, 30 minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so actually going back to the interview, I thought it was interesting when – 
everyone is realizing that she can't come to terms with the fact that the rapist is the the child's father Mm -hmm. and she just refuses to accept that and she's saying biological doesn't matter it's about the relationship and there's no man that has a relationship with him and you just saw the lawyer who was there for her and he kind of just looks up and looks like at the producers and it's just like oh my god like we didn't understand before we thought she was okay and she's really just so far from that yeah Yeah. i think that might have upset her even more than i'm trying to remember now like the sequence of the questions because the interviewer does ask you know why didn't you do anything Mm -hmm. give him away and then she she does kind of push on the issue about you know his father yeah i think that was the last thing we saw before they went to the next scene so I didn't really take it as her being more messed up than we thought when we heard that. I was more just, I don't know. I, I, I noticed that the lawyer had some kind of reaction to it, but it, it, for me, it was just like, yeah, that makes sense when she said that. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's what the lawyer was thinking in that moment, but I'm, but like that, I, I thought when she gave that answer, like, yeah, that's a satisfactory answer. I, I that guy's not. That, I'm, I'm totally cool if she doesn't want to define that, use the term dad or father to describe him because. Yeah, that's not what a father is, and uh, but I thought, I mean, I thought she was really good in that scene, uh, and it, it it carried a lot of weight when she said that because it was it was a point where she was more confident than any point in the interview up to that point. I I think her responses were a little more tepid up until then, and she was a little put off when they asked the question about should you just give it up for adoption, but that was the one point in which she did seem to kind of take control of the interview, and yeah, and nervous. it seemed like she was a little more confident in what she was saying, and that did kind of mean something in the moment. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm not saying that I disagree with what she was saying, but... I get conf- what you're saying. It's just, I just had a different read on yeah, the scene, Yeah, sure, sure. But her confidence is also the reason why it's frustrating to the interviewer and to the producer and to the lawyer because she wholeheartedly has this like belief that no he's not her father like no no he's not no 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 and that's kind of to me it seems like a sign that something is wrong right I, I, i don't know maybe that's just that's just me maybe i'm not making sense uh no i understand what you're saying like with her not that she it almost seemed like it wasn't that she didn't understand how yeah. Jack was created, but just not acknowledging that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it made sense, but yeah, I, yeah, I could see why people, yeah. I, I don't imagine they've talked extensively you yeah. know, about that. Um, the only other thing I'd, I really have to ask you guys about is just your, your thoughts on the performance in general. And I guess this might be a little more for Anthony, given the amount of movies that both of us have seen this year. But um, based on everything we've seen, uh, it seems like Rio Arson's a shoe in for a Best Actress nomination. And uh, depending on the best supporting actors, a really loaded category. And yeah, he doesn't belong there, but do you think Oscar nominations would be well-deserved for both of them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Uh, for her, for sure, going back to what we talked about before and what I wrote on the blog, there's really no uh, front runner for lead actress, and I she probably is it now. And just thinking back to Kate Blanchett and, and her two movies, and I haven't seen Brooklyn yet, which everyone is uh, very high on. But otherwise, I mean, I, she was way better than Kate Blanchett, I thought. And well, Kate Blanchett's not going to get nominated for Truth. If she gets nominated, it'll be for Carol, which we haven't yeah. seen yet. And Sears Sharonian was very good in Brooklyn. I would probably take this Brie Larson performance over that. Uh, but we'll have to see. And then 
uh, supporting actors is such a loaded category. I wouldn't. I thought the kid was really good. I think a lot of times kids we overstate how good kids are in movies just because a kid didn't ruin a bad movie because we have relatively low expectations for child actors sometimes. Yeah. But I thought he was actually legitimately really good and. Um, it's weird because I think lead actor is probably a, a weaker category than supporting actor this year, but that's just what they do with little kid actors for, especially actors. I think actresses sometimes do get uh, put in those categories. Abigail Breslin for Little Miss Sunshine, Clovenza Wallace for Beast of the uh, Southern Wild. For some reason, just for young, young, even actors in their 20s have trouble getting nominated for Best Actor. Uh, but I mean, I, I looking at looking at the best supporting actor, I wouldn't be mad if he got in, but there's like about eight guys I wouldn't be mad if they got nominated in that category. So. Yeah, for sure. So I have to ask you a serious question. How how many times better was Jacob Tremblay than the dude in Boyhood? <laughs> you didn't see Boyhood. Yeah, absolutely not. Well, the thing about Boyhood was the kid, Jacob Tremblay as a five-year-old, I mean, throughout, I, I would say it was a better overall performance, but the weird thing about Boyhood was the kid was a better actor when he was five than when he was 18. So a hundred times better is what you're saying. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm saying you could have put that kid when he was six years old in this movie, and I don't think it's a demonstrably worse movie, but it's just because they, the way they did Boyhood and they're filming him. At hey, did the, you guys know they filmed that in 12 years? What? Yeah. And yeah. Boyhood. Boyhood. The plight you guys of the never saw man. the movie. Quit making fun of it. It was a good movie. It was just, it was just a weaker movie than something like this because the performances weren't as good throughout. Well, Ethan Hawke and uh, Patricia Arquette were really good, but the kid just got worse at acting as he got older. So, that, I mean, if the kid had been better at doing things in the latter parts of that movie, it would have been an even better movie, and I thought it was a really good movie, but yeah, it's just this here throughout, you're getting a better performance from that kid than you are from the kid in Boyhood, and it was that was just one of the weirdest things about Boyhood. That's all I needed to hear, Josh. Um, so I, I don't think any of us really have... <laughs> it's such a weird vendetta for you to have. <laughs> Never seen it. Watch it. I don't think that uh, any of us... I don't have 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we, uh, any of us have anything really uh, left to say about Room. Uh, so thank you, Rachel, for joining us on the podcast mm-hmm. today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully we will... S- be putting out some podcasts over Josh, Josh's winter break and my winter break, but it depends. And my it, winter break, and Rachel's winter break, uh, but it, I guess it depends on if we can get this uh, technology to work uh, laptop to laptop away from each other. Yeah, every podcast we've done so far, we've been in person, but we want to we want to try and do a few movies over uh, over over the rest of December if we can. I don't know if there's going to be a ton that we really want to talk about. I think the one that's coming out still in the middle of our break because. It's another slow week and a half, I'd say, but uh, two weeks, I guess. The No, week and a half. The Big Short comes out December 23rd. I and thought it came out today. It came out in Los Angeles, well, New York is, today. Okay. It'll come out in wide release on December 23rd. I kind of want to wait to go see on, – on Christmas, there's Joy, which it's not getting great reviews, but I still think I want to see, and Concussion, which Anthony God, and I – Anthony I'm and I, so excited for Concussion. Anthony and I are so excited for Concussion. I think to the point where we might actually just want to wait to see it together, but maybe we'll just go anyway, and if, if we can get the technology figured out how to record over Skype, then we'll do that. We might do Concussion and The Big Short for you guys over break, and we're really excited to come back in January because uh, January 7th and 8th, we'll have The Revenant and The Hateful Eight, so – uh, got a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, I was just gonna. I could ask you guys this off mic. Are you doing? When are you doing Star Wars? 
After Anthony. Oh right, we, we got to do that. Six. Yes, yes. First five. A- Anthony's got to watch order. all the others, and I just don't really have a desire to go to Star Wars the first two, first week Absolutely and a half. Not. It's in theaters. I don't. I, I'm cool with all you people that like Star Wars. I'm just not cool oh. with having to watch it with you. Yeah, I don't want to watch it with those nerds. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna see it on like a Tuesday, like three weeks after it comes out. Exactly. It's still, it's, gonna be it's still gonna be packed. But I honestly, I might see it at home just so I can watch it in IMAX. Um, yeah. But I don't. I mean, I don't really want to see it if it's not an IMAX, to be honest, at this point. But I don't really want to drive two hours to Jacksonville here. Um, the, 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 the movies that have the honor of us making such a trek have to be a, a Fast and Furious movie yeah, or a Christopher abs- Nolan movie. Absolutely. You, there's a certain bar you have to be at. Yeah, Fast 7. Um, Interstellar. Interstellar. Interstellar is wonderful in IMAX, okay? Um, is that it? Is that all we saw? Uh, those, are the, those are the two we've done. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you got, uh, Star Wars just isn't the same occasion as Fast and the Furious. Absolutely not. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Paul, we love you. Um, so, okay, so... If you guys have any questions, we have a new email address, 52in52pod at gmail.com, 52in52pod at gmail.com. Please email questions, comments, memes, GIFs, anything. Josh and I will watch it. Rachel will watch it. We'll comment back. Um, you can find me on Twitter at aclambake, A-K-L-A-M-B-A-K-E. I'm at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. And I'm at Chikachu, C-H-E-E-K-A-C-H-O-O. I always have trouble with my own address. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and again, we got some stuff on our blog. Josh just posted a Creed review up there. Uh, we have the Creed podcast. Hopefully you guys will see that over break. Um, I guess we didn't really give any recommendations, but we definitely recommend seeing Room. It's really good. It's It's a little hard to watch for sure, but... Not to make this thing go on too much longer, but would you put it in your top ten movies of the year at this point? Because I, th- I don't know if you liked it as much as it sounds like I did. But no, no, I just uh, sometimes you just have to be a little critical. I just didn't like the end, and I didn't really like the narration, but I loved everything else. Okay, yeah, it, I haven't really looked at my movie rankings, but I th- it would definitely be in there because there's certainly some room to get back in the upper echelon of the films this year. There hasn't been a ton we've given really high marks to. Rachel, would you put it in your top ten after uh, seven Mad Maxes? God and then... damn it, you just <laughs> Number six after the five times it's all Mad Max okay. theaters. Okay. <laughs> perfect, okay. perfect, perfect. Okay, so that's it for us today, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.